The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. For those who don't know me, my name is Shane and I have the privilege this morning of continuing this series that we are in uh, called Bible It, asking uh, what does the Bible have to say about these big questions around culture and faith? And so this morning we are looking at what does the Bible have to say about our work, our vocation? How does the Bible speak into uh, this sphere of life? And I think this is a fundamental question that we should be asking as Christians or just anyone in general. We spend probably more time than anything actually working, uh, maybe apart from sleeping, but there's some of us in here that we work more than we sleep. And so it's important to ask this question, how does God speak into this sphere? How does God tell us to live as Christians in our workplace, uh, to live out this calling? And so what I want to do before I continue is I want to clarify something right from the beginning. What I mean by vocation and work. What I don't mean by this is that which just pays. Work is not that which just gives you a paycheck at the end of the week. If you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, that is work. In fact, that's probably more work than the rest of us will ever experience, right? If you volunteer your time doing something, that is still work. If you're an artist, paid or unpaid, that is work. If you're a musician or an athlete, paid or unpaid, that is work. And so when I talk about work, I'm going to be talking about everything apart from really Sabbath, and then maybe kind of that leisure and vacation section. But everything else is your work, is your vocation. Whether you're retired, there is still work for you to do. And so it's important to ask, what does the Bible have to say? What does God have to say about how we spend the majority of our waking lives? And so would you pray with me as we get into this? Lord, thank you that your word is alive and active that we can turn to the Bible to to hear godly wisdom and instruction to how to live out our lives as those that have been saved by grace through faith. I just pray this morning that you would open our eyes, open our hearts to see a new perspective that we might have on our work as you call us to partake in this, this area of life that is fundamental to how we go about each and every day. Would your gospel shape us this morning? Would we end up being more like Jesus as we walk out of here? And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's these, there's these old kind of ancient Greek mythological beliefs when it came to how work came about. There was this one section of people who believed that the gods created the world, right? And then they realized, wait, this is going to take upkeep. This is going to take work. And so they created mankind as a way to work and keep the world. We were kind of like these slaves, and that, all, that was what all we were for. Work was just that we would slave and take care of this world. And then these other group of people who thought, actually, no, the gods created the world, and then they created mankind, but they just hated mankind so much, so they condemned mankind to work as some divine punishment for man by the gods. And what's interesting is that some Christians in here this morning, we would say, yeah, that sounds like work, right? Like, we think that work is a divine punishment given by God. Because of the rebellion of Adam and Eve, women now, unfortunately, baby, have to bear painful childbirth, right? Not looking forward to that. And then men, we're cursed with work. Like, isn't that the Christian story? Isn't work a curse and not a blessing? It sure feels more like a curse than a blessing. It sure feels more like part of God's fallen world than a part of his good original design. And yet, as we look at the Bible we see a completely different picture. As we look at Scripture, we see work is not at all a curse. So from the very beginning of the book, 
Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What do we see? God at work, crafting, forming the world, the universe, and everything in it. Because our God is a creating God. He is a working God. Psalm 19.1 says, And the heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies above proclaim His handiwork. Our God is a working God. But He wasn't just working in the past in creation. He continues to work today in sustaining, in holding, in guiding creation. He continues to work in calling and regenerating and saving and redeeming and sanctifying and saving his people, opening our eyes, taking us from one degree of glory to the next. We serve a working God. God is a working God from beginning to end. And part of God's work was creating man in his image. And so we read this in Genesis 1, 27. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in numbers, fill the earth and subdue it. So you and I were created to have dominion over this world, to subdue it, to work it. You and I created to work. This was before the fall. This was pre-sin entering the world. Work was a part of God's original plan for mankind. And so work is not a curse. In fact, work was always meant to be a way in which God would bless mankind, in which we could partner with God to see the flourishing of human beings and the flourishing of his creation. And so work is not the curse. But work has been cursed. How we now see and experience work has been cursed. And so we see this in Genesis 3.17. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth from you. This idea it's going to be hard now. And you shall eat the plants of the field. Obviously, being a vegetarian is part of the curse. I'm just, just being biblical. But there's this idea that work is actually going to be hard now. We're going to experience pain and anxieties. Traffic is definitely part of the curse. They're going to be mundane meetings, going to be grumpy bosses. They're going to be screaming children. This is all going to be what we experience now as part of the curse. But we need to remember that work is not the curse. There is goodness in work. In fact, God is now using work to redeem all things unto himself. And so we were created by a working God. We were created to work. And in fact, the Bible says we're actually called to work. We're called to work as Christians in a certain way. And so I want to look at 2 Thessalonians 3.11. It says this, For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now, we all know these people. When you ask them how they're going, oh, man, I'm so busy. Oh, man, I'm just busy. I've got so much to do. And yet they're not doing anything. Right, Paul says to these people that they're not busy at work, they're just busy bodies. Now such person we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and earn their own living. This idea that we're actually called to work. We're called to earn a living. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have, have something to share with anyone in need. So we're called not to steal, but to work, to labor with our hands, And this gives us a picture here that work isn't just for ourselves. We're not just working for ourselves to earn our own living. We have to work so that we might have something to share with those around us. So work isn't just for ourselves. And then Colossians 3.23 that we heard this morning, and I'm going to keep coming back to this. It says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man, 
knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward because you are serving the Lord Christ. This idea that we are called not just to work, but to work hard. Why? Because we're not working for man, we're working for God. And I know that's hard to believe, but we are not working for our boss, we are working for God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is above all things. And so we're created to work. We are called to work, and one day we'll be glorified to work. And what I mean by this is there will be work in heaven. Never relax, it's okay. It's not going to be like the work you experience now. It's going to be invigorating and exciting and joyful and purposeful and meaningful work as we serve the Lord our God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, as we love and serve one another. Work is going to be redeemed to its original design that we might experience the goodness and grace of God as we work. It's going to be amazing. But then how right now do we live as Christians in a fallen world and how do we go about this work? And, and, and what work is even meaningful work? And so for a long time, there's been this kind of belief that meaningful work was only done on Sundays and only by those kind of more spiritual uh, positions, maybe a pastor or an elder or a missionary. Like that was meaningful kingdom work. And then everything else that everyone else did during the week was just mundane, inconsequential, had no eternal consequence. It was just so you could eat and live and that was it. And then a few good fellows came along Luther and Calvin, they said, actually, no, there's, there's this idea that we're actually all priests. We're all called to play our role in God's kingdom. We're all sons and daughters, and that whatever we do for work is meaningful, God-given work. And so whether you work in an office or at home, whether you work under a clogged sink, or whether you work out on a football field, whether you change diapers, or whether you fill out spreadsheets, whatever you do is God-given work. It is meaningful and purposeful. And God matters to your work, and your work matters to God. This idea that we're all priests. Whatever we do is meaningful, purposeful kingdom work, and we're called to do it to the Lord. So I think the most God-glorifying job that you and I can actually do, the most God-glorifying job is not a pastor, it's not a doctor, it's not even a mother. The most God-glorifying job that we can do is the one in which God has called us, gift us, and sovereignly placed us in. That is the most God-glorifying job that we can do. As we trust that God is overall, like we sung just before, God knows our story, He holds our story, and He has sovereignly placed you where you are right now that you might work for Him and unto His glory. That is the most God-glorifying job you can do because your work matters to God. And so how do we work? How do we work as Christians? Well, I think pretty much fundamentally we work all to the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do to the glory of God. At a fundamental level, that is how we work as Christians. We do all things to the glory of God. But when we ask a question, okay, what does that actually practically mean for me? How do I work all things for the glory of God? Because if we're honest in here, most of us would say that when it comes to work, we think to be a good Christian, to be a faithful Christian in our workplace is to share the gospel with as many people as we can. Like we think that's what it means. The intersection between work and faith is evangelism. That's what we think it means to be a faithful Christian in our workplace. And that's, that. yeah, absolutely. If you get to share the gospel, that's amazing. But that's not all it means to be a faithful Christian in your workplace. It's not just about sharing the gospel. It's about glorifying God in all we do. And so I would say an amazing way to be a faithful Christian in your workplace is to work hard. Do your job well with excellence. 
Because I don't believe there is always this distinctly Christian way to do your work. I don't think there's always a distinctly Christian way to do your work. And Tim Keller kind of fleshes this idea out. He was asked by someone, okay, how, how do I be distinctly Christian in my workplace? How do I be a distinctly Christian pilot, right? And Tim Keller kind of says, well, to be a Christian, to be a faithful Christian as a pilot, first and foremost is to land the plane. Like, and land the plane in such a way that it can take off again. Like, that's being a faithful Christian pilot. That's how you be a distinctly Christian pilot. You land the plane. It's not that you take over the microphone before every flight and you preach to these people that are strapped in and already 45 minutes late. It's not that you take the menus out from behind the seats and put little gospel tracks in there because none of that matters if you can't land the plane. So I don't always think there's a distinct Christian way to do your job. How do you distinctly as a Christian fill out a spreadsheet? How do you distinctly as a Christian bake a cake? You can put some little crosses on it, but that doesn't make you distinctly Christian, right? There's some jobs there are a distinctly Christian way. There's a distinctly Christian way to counsel, to maybe write a play. There's some Christian ways that can speak into that. But for the majority of us, there's not a distinct Christian way to do our job. But there is a distinct Christian way to be a Christian in your job. There's a distinct way to be a Christian in your job. And so I want to look at that real quickly this morning. I want us to come back to... Whoa. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you receive an inheritance as your reward. And there are a few things that we can learn here as we look at how we are to be a Christian in our workplace. And first and foremost, I think we see we need to work hard. We need to work heartily for the Lord. We have to be the hardest work. I truly believe as Christians, we should be the best employees, the most hardworking employees and employers. We should be the first to get there, the last to leave. We should put our hands up for the jobs that no one else wants to do. Why? Because we don't work for man, we work for God. And so as Christians, we're called to work hard for the Lord. Paul says before this, don't work by way of eye service as people pleasers. And what he means by this is don't just work when someone's looking. Like, oh, his boss has come in, let's do And then once they leave, back to Facebook or playing cards. That's not what it means. As Christians, we are called to be hard workers. To work hard, work with excellence. But like I said before, this is just ways in which we are to live as Christians too. Because I don't think there's a difference here between how we work and how we live as Christians. Second thing I think that we do, knowing that we work for God and not for man, is we work with moral integrity. We hold on to our morals. We don't give in. There is an ever-increasing temptation in the world to cut corners, to blur lines, to push other people down in pursuit of a position or power or a promotion. And I want to say, don't do it. It's not worth it. Because it's not just your job at risk. And you don't work just for man, you work for God. I'm going to continue to say this throughout this morning because this is something that we all know, yeah, but we need to truly believe it in our heart that we do not work for man, but we work for God. Because I know, like, like me, I can walk out into the car park, I can forget this, and when I get to, uh, to work on Monday and the pressure starts to build up, I'm going to forget that I work for God, not for man. And so we have to work with moral integrity. And so part of doing this, I think, is we're honest. As Christians, we are honest. So that as Christians in a workplace, we should be honest. 
even when our honesty doesn't make us look good. Do you know how foreign that is to this world? To be honest, even when it doesn't make us look good? Hey, Barry, who screwed up this spreadsheet? Yeah, sorry, mate, that was me. Yeah, I just got confused, didn't do it. Well, don't do it again. Like, if we're honest, even when it makes us look bad, that's how you can be a faithful Christian in your workplace. Another way you do this is we don't gossip. And so whether you're at the lunch table or whether you're waiting to pick up your kids from school and everyone's talking about what Karen did on the weekend, don't join in. Walk away. In fact, if you have enough relational equity, you can kind of step in there and defend Karen. But as Christians, we're called not to gossip. So as Christians in our workplace, we don't gossip. And I think lastly, one of the most profound ways that we can be a faithful Christian in our workplace is don't grumble or complain. Paul says in all things, don't grumble. There are going to be times when things are hard at work, when you're going to be asked to do things you don't want to do. What a great opportunity to do them with excitement and joy. Because why? You know that you're not working for man, but for God. And so this is how we are called to work as Christians. This is how we're called to live as Christians. I think um, one of the coolest stories in the Bible that kind of fleshes this out is not even a story about work, but it's a story of Joseph, right? If you know the story of Joseph, he was sold into slavery by his brothers, so he found himself in this kind of workspace that he didn't even want to be in. But what did he do? He worked hard because he knew he was working for the Lord. And, and after a while, he was now ruling Potiphar's kind of estate. He was taking care of Potiphar's estate. And then Potiphar's wife kind of threw herself at Joseph. And he kind of chose in that moment, no, I'm going to have moral integrity. So what happened? He was thrown in prison. And now again, he finds himself in a place he, he didn't want to be, but he knew that he wasn't working for man, but for God. And so he worked hard. And what, what, what do we read? That now he's going to run the jail. He's now head of all the jailers. And then because of his God-given talents and gifts, and because he's a hard worker, if you know the story, he ends up ruling all of Egypt under Pharaoh. Why? Because he's a man who worked hard. He had moral integrity. He didn't give in to this temporary temptation that was in front of him. But he trusted that God's got his story. That God rules over all because he doesn't work for men, he works for God. What a great story of someone just faithful at work, trusting that God's in control, not him. But what I think is fundamental to, to how we are to work as Christians is not just our behaviors, but actually our beliefs. Not just our actions at work, but our beliefs, our perspective of work. Because as Christians, like I said, I don't think there's a distinct way to do your work, but there's a distinct way to be a Christian in your work. Because I think this is where the problem has occurred. This is where this problem has come. Because we've been asking the question for so long, now that I've done the Monday Christian thing, how, uh, now I've done the Sunday Christian thing, how do I do the Monday Christian thing? But there isn't a difference. There's no difference between the Sunday Christian and the Monday Christian. And so we need to ask the question, okay, so what is our perspective? What is our worldview when it comes to work? What is our belief about work? That, in fact, is our motivation to our action, to be honest, to care, to love, to serve. So whether you're a doctor or a mother or a pastor, we need to ask this question, what is our motivation behind how we work? Because I think for most of us, we approach work, we see work out of one or two lenses. Either work is this thing uh, that we get identity from. We get value, we get worth, and so we work hard. Or 
work is this thing we just want to escape from, we want to run away from. We don't want to, we just live for the weekends. Work either is this idol in your life or you think gives you worth and value or it's idleness. It leads to just despair because you hate work so much. And even right now, we might, you might know exactly which one of those or which one of those you more closely fit to. Either work is this idol where you believe in your heart that it gives you value and worth and identity. Like your identity is so tied in your work. When someone asks you, tell me about yourselves. Oh, I'm a doctor, I'm a teacher. It's just so, so ingrained in you that work is your identity, that it gives you your value. But if you get your identity just from work, yes, you're going to work hard. You're going to do whatever it takes to succeed because then you think people will accept you and love you and approve you more. You're going to matter more. And so you desire to do whatever it takes to climb the ladder, even if it means that people will envy you. You love that because work is your idol. But if work is our idol it will crush us. Because either you'll reach the goal in which you're trying to reach and you'll be filled with pride and then you'll do everything it takes to stay there because if that gets taken away, so does your value, your worth and your identity and that will crush you. Or either you won't reach this goal that you're trying to reach and you'll spend your entire life trying to achieve it because that's what you think your value, your worth and your identity is and that will crush you. If work is your idol, either way it will crush you because eventually you're going to retire. And then what? If your identity and value and worth is in your work, then what? So work should not be our idol. But it also shouldn't lead to idleness. We shouldn't work just for the weekends. We shouldn't hate work so much. It's not meaningless, as if we just do whatever it takes just to get by so we can get our paycheck. TGIF, right? Let's, thank goodness it's Friday. Let's, we can, or we work for 40, 50 years just to get through so then we can retire and finally do what we want to do. And Christians aren't immune to this way of thinking. For a lot of us, we work Monday to Friday, Monday to Saturday, just to get through, just to get the paycheck. And then we get to Sunday, we can finally do some meaningful things. We can serve, we can talk to people we actually like, we can go to a life group and be a part of those things that are meaningful, right? Work cannot be an idol, but it also can't lead to idleness. For these people, those COVID-19 relief payments were the best part of the last three years because they didn't have to work, but they got paid to do it. And those payments aren't a bad thing. Some people needed them to survive, but is that all work is for? Money? If you feel weary in your job, if you are tired, stressed out, anxious constantly, then I would say you, you fit into one of these categories. But the good news of the gospel is it actually gives us a different perspective, a different lens in which we are to see work. There is hope for our work. Because why? We don't work for man, we work for God. And so the gospel says, hey, your work, your worth, your identity, your value is not in your work. It's not in your accomplishments. It's in Christ. You don't work for man. You don't work to seek the approval of others. The gospel frees us from having to work for the approval and acceptance and love of those around us because our acceptance, our worth is in Jesus, in what Christ says about us. If you find your worth and your value in your work, in your accomplishments, in your money, if you become the most successful and richest person in the world, you are grossly underestimating your actual worth. You're not overestimating, you're grossly underestimating it. If your value, your identity and worth is in your work, if you become the most successful person in the world, you're grossly underestimating your value and worth. 
Because all the riches of this world are in comparison to the glorious riches found in Jesus, of knowing Christ. You're not loved because of your work, you're loved because of Christ's work. You're not accepted and valued because of what you've done and your perfection, but because of Christ's perfection. And so the gospel frees us from working, having work as our idol or idleness. It frees us from from doing things to seek value and identity and love from others. Why? Because we know we're loved by the God of the universe. We're accepted and valued by the God of the universe. You know how much you're worth? Christ died for you. Your work is not going to die for you, but it probably will ask you to die for it. So the gospel gives us this new perspective of work. Now we're freed to approach work in a different light. We go to work knowing God has us here for a reason as we play our role in God redeeming all things unto himself. That's what work is. And we get to be a part of that work. And lastly, I want to finish with this. Because we had some questions come in around like chasing the Australian dream and chasing money and is that okay? Should we be doing that? Should we spend our lives pursuing these things? And so I want to define the Australian dream as this, um, just for argument's sake, the, 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 the nice house with the white picket fence, the nice car, the happy marriage, the two and a half kids, the dog, clearly not a cat, right? Enough money in your bank account so you don't have to check it every single day just to see if you've got enough for those bills. Like, is a life like this okay to pursue? Well, obviously, there are a lot of factors that we need to ask. But what is your motivation in pursuing these things? Do you think that when you get these things, you're going to be happy? Do you think that house gives you security? Do you think the money in the bank provides for you? Makes you feel comfortable? Makes people look at you a different way? Because if any of those are your motivation, then I'd say no. It's not worth pursuing because it's not enough. It doesn't give you enough. It's not worth spending your life chasing after. Is money bad? No, absolutely not. Are things bad? No, absolutely not. The Bible talks so much about money. It says we are to save our money. We are to give our money away. We are to invest our money, steward our money well. We are to leave an inheritance. It also says that we shouldn't love money that we can't serve God and money. And so we need to be careful. But having things is not bad. Having money is not bad. There are some of us in here that we earn significant or you earn significant incomes, right? That's a great thing. The Lord has blessed you. You should never feel guilty about that. You shouldn't feel guilty about having a nice house. Maybe you need to be careful. The temptation that money brings. Maybe thinking that that money is what sustains and provides for you and not Jesus. But that's not a bad thing to have these things. But we need to make sure that we have a gospel perspective when it comes to our money and our possessions. Because what really matters is who we think holds our story. If our motivation for chasing these things Uh, value, identity, acceptance, happiness, then it's not worth it. Eventually it will crush you. But if you just receive this because you work hard for the Lord, because you serve and you lay your life down for those around you, and if God promotes you and builds you up and blesses you with finances and nice things, that's great. 
but we need to check our hearts because our motivation matters. And if we're honest with ourselves, most of us work for money and not just money, for what we think money gives us. Security, provision, comfort, status. And so as a band camp, I just want to finish with this. Profit and prosperity are not bad words. In fact, we serve a God who is a prosperous God, not just in character, but in his desire for his children. God desires for us to be prosperous. But let's not dumb down that word to just merely earthly possessions. God desires prosperity for us because if we spend our life chasing these things, a nice house, the happy marriage, we're cutting ourselves infinitely short. You're missing out on the infinite riches of Christ to chase after trinkets of the world, temporary, fading things. Like Dan read out earlier, we can't take this stuff to heaven. But God desires prosperity for us. And so we are called then to work hard unto the Lord, to lay our lives down as we serve and love those in our workplace. We share the gospel, whatever chance and opportunity we get because we know that we don't work for man, but we work for God. See, the gospel gives us this perspective. And one of the simplest ways I think we are called to live out as Christians in our workplace is to live out the story of the gospel. And what I mean by this, I want to finish with this story. There was this executive, um, he worked in a big kind of law firm, I think it was. And one of the, one of the people underneath him, one of his uh, team members, stuffed up big time screwed up pretty badly. And so she thought she was going to get fired. But, but her boss, the executive, is a Christian dude. He went to um, the CEO of the company and he said, hey, look, uh, yeah, we screwed up. It's pretty bad. Um, but I'll take the blame for it. Like, I just mustn't have trained her right. And maybe that was true. But still, he took a big hit because of that. He took a big hit. He didn't get fired because he had some kind of relational equity. They knew that he was a hard worker. Then he goes back to this girl who screwed up massively and says, hey, look, it's fine. You're not, you're not getting fired, but just please don't do that again. And she was like, what happened? He said, well, I, just, I told him that it was my fault. So it's all good, but just try to work harder next time. Try not to do that. And she was like, why, why would you do that for me? All she has ever experienced was bosses taking credit for her good fortune and blaming her for their own mistakes. And yet this, this boss took the blame for her. She goes, why would you do that for me? He said, don't worry about it. It's fine. Let's just, let's just don't do it again. Let's move on. She's like, no, I, I, want, I don't understand. Why would you do that? He says, well, if you really want to know, it's because I'm a Christian. Because Jesus took the blame for me that I deserved. He went to the cross when I deserved death and he died on my behalf. So now, as I live, I try and imitate Christ in all things. I try and take more blame than I give. I try and incur more hardship than I look to, to put on others as I try and live out the Christian story. This girl is now in church. She was saved. She now follows and loves Jesus and now works with the same perspective. What a simple way to work. I'm trying to live out the gospel story, the Christian story that each and every one of us are a part of. We've been saved by grace through faith. And so now we work knowing that we are covered by the blood and called to work hard. And we need both of those things. If we just know we're covered by the blood, then we won't really work hard. And if we just know we're called to work hard, then we'll work at our wrong motivation. 
But if we know that we are saved by Jesus and called to work hard, we now work with a new perspective. Why? Because we don't work for man, we work for God. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Center Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature, and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare, and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others, but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.